0: Hey, welcome to the Jewish World Podcast. My name is Matt Davis. And what's your name? Uh, yeah, I, I'm here. I have a lot of names. Uh, I'm Ron,
1: <laughs> just right. for purposes today.
0: Yeah, there we go. And we are here joined with very special guest, Joshua Aaron. Hello, Joshua.
2: Hello, gentlemen. It's an honor to be a guest with you guys.
0: Well, it's good to be with you. Yes. And, and where are you? Where in the world is Joshua Aaron today?
2: Joshua Aaron is sitting in his cottage in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania right now.
1: Uh, looks lovely. Is it cold outside?
2: Uh, yes, it is. It's, <laughs> well, it just it just went above freezing. We, there's a frozen lake about a one minute, two minute walk away. Oh, so, okay. uh All right. It's uh, it's cold enough to have a frozen lake next,
1: yeah. to, next to
0: it. Mazel tough. Well, Joshua, we're we're excited to have you here, especially because uh, today is our 100th episode. Who would have ever thought that we would make it this long? But we wanted to have a very special guest and we chose you. So thanks for being here on this. Absolutely. I'm honored. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we are, are going to talk a little bit about uh, who are you? Where did you come from? Why are you doing what you're doing? And uh, you don't know this, but uh, you and I had a very... Uh, Tender moment together in Israel. You weren't actually in the car with me, but the music was, and I got Uh. to, I got to, it was, it was so wonderful after leading tours to Israel for 25 years um, and always going with a group and schlepping across the country in a bus, I got to go early and I had a whole week to myself in Israel and I, I rented a convertible and it was just me driving up the coast, going through Tel Aviv, heading up North and I'm playing your Zion song. And I'm like, I'm crying and I'm singing. And it was just, it was a beautiful moment. So I don't know if you've ever had moments like that where you're just like, I can't believe I'm here in the land and I'm praising the Lord. And it's pretty awesome.
2: Well, I'm honored to have be a part of that moment. And, uh, that's one of my favorite songs. I did not write that. That's Aaron Shu's song, "My Aaron. Best Buddy." Yeah, and um, his his song has done that to me as well. And I, I've had moments as far as far as living in Israel, raising my kids in Israel with my wife Jeannie. I drive my kids crazy in the morning. We'd be driving down the mountain from our village uh, called Poria, and heading to their school. Their, their elementary school is on the Jordan River, and the high school. I've got five kids so the high school is on the on the sea of Galilee. I'm always saying, "Do you guys believe where we live? Uh do you guys believe where we live?" And they're like, "Oh yes, yes, Abba." And then after a while, I'll hear my kids say, "Abba, did you look out the window? Can you believe it? Like it's it's all, you know, when you live in Orlando, let's just say, and you go to Disney World that first year five times and then you never go again. You kind of just forget that you're near something cool. Well, right. Israel is way way above that. And um yeah, I always pinch myself and and there's always a soundtrack playing. I try to have a soundtrack playing when I'm traveling to and fro my studio in the Jordan Valley and driving my kids to school. Um, yeah, it's kind of surreal.
0: So before you got to Israel, you were not in Israel. You actually lived in America. So tell us just a little bit of the background there and what actually brought you to Israel to begin with.
2: Yeah, I, um, I was born and raised where I'm sitting right now, well, about 20 minutes away from here. Um, my mom was born and raised in Israel. She is uh, from Haifa, Israel, my mother. Um, she was born in January of 1948, uh, just a few months before Israel was reborn in May of
1: 1948. Just a year
2: before uh, me. My grandmother, a year before you, okay. So you're uh, way younger and my mom, you're so young. <laughs> yeah, <my> um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, my grandmother fled the Holocaust. Her name was Ruth Epstein, or Epstein um, depends on where you're from and how you pronounce it. But my, my grandmother Ruth Epstein fled from Nazi Germany. It was uh, it was Poland, then Germany. Now it's Poland again from a city called Wrocław. Um, thank God she made it to Israel. Gave birth to my mom. You know, several years later. Uh, her brother, my grandmother's brother, Zvi Epstein, he died in the War of Independence, just a 19-year-old boy. Um, and my grandmother ended up a single mother with a, a three-year-old boy and a brand-new baby, my mother, Chana. Um, and um, my, she decided she couldn't raise the kids by herself, so she gave them both up for adoption. Um, so my mom was adopted into another Jewish home. An Orthodox couple's home, and my uncle Micha, my mom's brother, was adopted to a secular Jewish home, and uh, they grew up, uh, gosh, for the first 11 years of, of their lives, and my mom's life, uh, maybe 10 years, uh, they grew up just seven, six, five, six miles away from each other, not knowing it. My mother didn't even know she had a brother, but he did. He was uh, three years old, so when they were separated, his parents couldn't hide that he was adopted. Uh, cause he knew he had a sister. He knew he was taken from his mother. Um, so he would ask all the time, where's my sister? Efo achoti? Efo achoti? Where's my sister? <laughs> cause his sister was his, his sister, you know? And, and, um, um, so he had been looking for her his whole life for 50 years, five zero. Wow. Um, his ho- never left Israel. He grew up in a kibbutz north of Haifa. Um, he's like a permanent fixture of that, of that kibbutz retired now, but he, Like one of the logos of the kibbutz is his silhouette on a tractor in the farm at his kibbutz. Mm -hmm. Um, But he'd always looked for his sister. And then after 50 years of looking, he got invited to a television show in Tel Aviv uh, called the Manny Pe'er Show, a famous – actually back then it was like the Oprah show of Israel. Um, You know, In the 90s, this this is 1998, in the 90s there was only like one, maybe two – National channels in Israel, so it was the talk show ah. of the country. So he was invited on the show to come and share his life story, and uh, talked about surviving the Six Days War in 1967 as a paratrooper who landed mm. uh, in Jerusalem oh, to wow. take Jerusalem,
0: yeah.
2: and set 1973 war, and then and then being born in Jerusalem in 1945, and um, moving to Haifa during the War of Independence, and talking about this little girl that was his sister that he remembered uh, very vividly, never forgot her and had been looking for her for 50 years. And uh, the host of the show um, offered to help him find his sister and his family. And they put a big phone number on the screen. And the host said, uh, Micha, thank you for coming on the show. If we have anybody uh, that can help you find your family, we're going to put a phone number on the screen. And he looks at the audience And looks at the camera and says, hey, if if you have any information, please call this number. We're going to help Micha find his family. And then finally, he looks to Micha and says, Micha, thank you for coming on the show. If we find anything, we will let you know. Um, But we do have something for you today. In the audience, we have a special guest. It's your baby sister, Hannah, my mother. who he had surprised uh, out on national television. He flew us out, my mother, myself, my sister were there. And we got to see this reunion firsthand in 1998, 26 years ago. And it was unbelievable for me as a 19, 20-year-old being back in my homeland. You know, I'm a first-generation American on my mother's side, third generation on my dad's side, but first generation. So for me – you know, for me, getting to go back to this country uh, where my mom is from, my grandmother survived fleeing to, you know, uh, it just became surreal. I felt like roots wrapped around my ankles. I became, you know, bonded with my uncle pretty quick, uh, learned the language uh, I'm fairly fluent, you know, when you're older, you know, I didn't move to Israel until my thirties. So uh, when you're older, you, 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 you have to realize you'll never be fluent, fluent. Um, but my kids are like natives, you know, but just getting to know my uncle and, and just falling in love with the land and raising my kids there, it's been <clears throat> an incredible journey. And then, you know, I feel like God's called me on a, a similar a trajectory, but a spiritual in the, in the regards to seeing the church. And I think you, Matt and Ron can connect with this message is to reunite the church in these latter days that have been separated 30, 40,000 denominational times um, and separated from the elder brother and just to see a spiritual family reunion in these last days. I think a lot of us who are called are feeling God's calling in these last days have that similar calling to do it from whatever our, uh, gifting is, you know, and that's what I'm trying to do through music today.
1: Yeah, that, that's for sure. Because, <clears throat> you know, when when I first became a believer 48 years ago, I mean, the whole focus was on, you know, an apologetic that uh, Yeshua is the Messiah. But uh, now, you know, uh, in these in these days that we're living in now, like you say, uh, it's uh, it, it's like I think some of the best friends that. Israel and the Jewish people have are Christians. Uh, yeah. and we want to help them, you know, be equipped to share the Messiah with them. So we want to bring those together, just like your family came together.
2: Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Um, i I've, you know, we've seen it so much, you know, my grandmother who adopted my mom was Orthodox. So she, you know, my real grandmother who we found later in life, she had already died. She was a secular Jew. But my, the grandmother I was raised with was Orthodox. So she would spit on the ground if I said Jesus.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: She'd say, Tui, don't say that name in my house. And I, I remember as a chi- I mean, hearing this as a child because my mom got radically saved the year before I was born. So we didn't care about saying Jesus or we said Yeshua as well. But we didn't think twice about the pronunciation or whatever. But my grandmother, man, Orthodox grandmother, she would spit, and I would wonder, why is she doing this? Like, why would she spit? What did he ever do to her? And what I found out as I got older, and what you guys I'm sure know uh, very well, is that um, many people claim to be Christians who killed our people, um, including her parents, my grandmother's parents, in the Holocaust, and um, they associate uh, Jesus um, with that, you know, so for me, it's beautiful to See Christians loving Israel and loving the Jewish people uh, in a healthy way, forsaking not the message of Jesus, of course, but mm-hmm. loving the older brother as they are, as the older brother, and and uh, with with the reminder that Yeshua, uh, Jesus, Yeshua taught us never to take a life ever, only to give. His example was to, to give a life, so um, true believers would never do such a thing, and to live that example out and to see that unprecedented. I'm only. I'm 46, but, you know, in my lifetime, my mother's lifetime, I don't think we've ever seen this, right? Maybe, Ron, I don't want to give—you already kind of gave your age out here, but in your (laughs) lifetime, have you seen such a a level of Christian love? I know the world is divided, but Christians are more uh, vocal than ever, I think, right?
1: Yeah, well, I I think so. I I uh, think—well, even when I first became a believer, all of a sudden I got invited to speak here and speak there, and uh, Uh I couldn't believe how, you know— Christians wanted to hear from me. Uh, and, yeah. and yet these days, uh, it's, uh, it's completely different, uh, in, in such a way that, uh, I think people are realizing, especially since, uh, you know, October 7th, uh, are realizing that, uh, you know, there is something here connected with God's hand upon Israel and they want to take a stand with the Jewish people. And, uh, you know, even in our fellowship that we do on Shabbat in up in Wilmore, uh, people are just so focused on uh, on being there for the Jewish people and learning, and yeah. uh, so that that's a great uh, it's a great thing. And uh, and your music helps.
2: Praise God! You know, music <laughs> is, and it's not necessarily my music, but just music is is I think it's the the most, if not the top two most powerful methods of of getting a message into people's minds and ears and hopefully hearts. Yeah. Um so I've been all in since 2009. Um uh, 15 years now trying to share that good news through music.
0: What was the thing that got you from America to say we're going to make aliyah and we're going to move the whole family to Israel?
2: I I think the seed and the seed was planted officially when I Flew in for that reunion in 1998 to meet my mom's brother, my uncle Micha, and um, w- watching my mother, who I grew up, she'd tell stories about like, her her story was, it's kind of, you know, she had a, a hard childhood where her adopted mother adopted her, and then at five or six years old, my mom's adopted father died in Israel, and my mom was sent back to the orphanage and left there for five years Wow. in an orphanage in haifa so my mom you know she <clears throat> was clinging on to you know some of the sweet people at the orphanage but the kids you know it, she at, she came back she came to america uh at 11 her adopted mother um left her from the orphanage and then sent for her years later uh uh, and I always joke that she left it, the promised land, Israel, to the other promised land to New York City of mm-hmm. uh, the Jewish people uh, back, <laughs> back in those yeah. days.
1: That's my uh, homeland too.
2: <laughs> your homeland too, yeah. So my mom moved to New York in like 59, 1959 and yeah. 11 years old. Um, but what was the question again?
0: What, what what AD, what what instigated that process of like you moving to Israel is not an easy or a quick decision. You're making a oh, commitment yeah. so, to a different way of life for your kids, your family like that's big, big step,
2: yeah, so I guess back to the roots part. so it started there there during that reunion in Israel. I just felt like roots were wrapping around my ankles, and it just became a tar- – once I got back to America, it just became a goal to eventually end up there. And when my wife and I got engaged, I'd bring it up. And it was, wasn't was an official thing, but I'd bring it up. We wanted to go on our honeymoon in 2002, uh, February 2002, which is a couple months after, you know, a, half a year after 9-11. So my wife's like, I'm not flying anywhere. Right. Um, so we never went to Israel for our, for our, our honeymoon. Um, but um, we eventually, uh, I started singing in uh, 2009. Did my first live album. And I'd already gone to Israel for... You know, a few months at a time. I've been going to Israel all the time to visit my family, and um, it just was a progression. I knew I was called to do it, and I just kept taking steps towards it. Um, really walking with my wife through it because my wife and I are both from the same area, but I don't think when she married me, she thought I'd be dragging her across the world. Mm-hmm. So I had to do it with grace and patience, which isn't one of my virtues. I'm grown <laughs> into, into having patience. Uh, Uh, in my later years, but um, we eventually moved there in 2009 to get the kids' citizenship. What I didn't know until about that time was I was an automatic citizen because my mother's Israeli. um, Not only is she Jewish, she's Israeli, so um, I didn't have to really make Aliyah. I was was an Israeli born abroad, so my citizenship was automatic. So I went to the consulate in New York, they handed me my birth certificate, you know, the, my documents, pretty quick. So what I found was, as an open believer, um, when we moved there, they couldn't kick me out. Because uh, Israelis, as a whole, are, are quite, especially now, are quite okay with Jewish believers. But um, there has been and is now um, a contingent in, in the Israeli government who hates Messianic Jews, hates Jewish believers who what they call convert to Christianity, which we, we call complete our Judaism. Um, yeah. And they've made it very hard. It's been one of the hardest seasons in the history of Israel for Jews, Jewish believers in Jesus to make Aliyah, to make the law return. So because I'm a, a citizen um, by birth, uh, I can be as obnoxiously open about my faith and they can't <laughs> kick me out. So, um, so I could sing about it. I could sing it the highest falsetto um, about Yeshua. And, uh, that's what, that's what I've been doing, but really it, it was a progression to know I was supposed to go there. But looking back, I always knew, you know, back then it was a still small voice and the voice just got louder and louder as I walked towards God's calling. And that's all, all I can say. Cause I, I remember as a teenager, as, as a child, I accepted the Lord at five years old. But I remember as a young teenager praying all the time, God, I want to know what you want me to do in life. I don't want to just do life. I don't want to just serve you. I want to serve you in the way you want me to serve you. So once I found that way, and, and I, I was all in. And I knew I needed to be in Israel to do it. Um, and my wife and my wife agreed, we we came out of the right season and we did it. And um, you know, it you pay a price when you move to Israel with your kids. You know, our youngest was born there, our youngest Benjamin. Uh, he was born on Israel's 70th birthday uh, in 2018 uh, oh, and right. along <laughs> the hospital, uh, along the Sea of Galilee there, um, because you pay the price now when my daughter is a sergeant in the worst war in Israel's modern history, or in our life, my lifetime at least, and she's a sergeant in the West Bank, and my uh, son, my oldest of my four boys, is um, going into the army August 14th, so... It's uh, it's getting real now. You want to serve the Lord, you want to you want to be a part of Israel, but man, and then you start giving up your kids, and it's um, it's yeah. a whole different world. It's a whole different. I feel like a whole different citizen of Israel now that I've given my children to this country, and never prayed more. Um, wow. Never begged other people to pray more, <laughs> you yeah. know. Uh, but it's been a journey uh, following God, makes you still question, Hey, was I supposed to move there? Is my daughter supposed to be there? She's only there because I made our family move there. Um, so it's, it's, it makes you ask a lot of questions on that journey of following God, but I do know, and I think, I know my daughter does and my son, my 17 year old, he can't wait to join the army even now. And I keep telling him, what is the matter with you? (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I'm okay with you (laughs) wanting to, but you know, (laughs) but there's something that God, a grace and a, um, and a, uh, a chutzpah, I don't know, there's a better word for that. There's, a, there's something that God gives to our kids to get them through the military that gives them this excitement that you wouldn't imagine a right. person would have. Yeah. And well, my son has that, at least right now he does.
1: Yeah, wow. Well, you know, I'm, I'm just wondering, you said something a minute ago about, uh, you know, you're able to sing the highest note now. And uh, I, it, it made me uh, think back to your concert that you did at the City of David. Mm-hmm. And saw people just up up above and all around, and I'm wondering, uh, are are there Jewish non-believers who come to listen to this uh, and enjoy this?
2: We don't know the numbers of non-believers. We know for sure there were quite a few non-believers. You know, we had over 30 Holocaust survivors there as well. Wow, um, that were brought through a friend of mine, uh, his uh, organization. Because we sang a lot of, you know, good old s- songs from right. the Jewish hymn book as well, the Book of Psalms, you know. <laughs> so it was really, it was a great night. And I, I knew as we were, we were deciding venues, you know, I almost signed a record deal with a Christian record company. And I just didn't feel good about it. Maybe it's, I was being too Jewish, you know. I just thought, I can do this. I don't want it to be skewed towards, you know, you know. like there's a Christian, you know, CCM, you know, the, the Yep. the Christian contemporary music industry. And I don't want to be in an industry. I just wanted to follow what we're called to do and not get swayed from it or have a team that is trying to see if I can win a dev award, you know, you know, shape the songs, etc. Cause that, none of that stuff is my goal. My goal is just to share the good news to, to Jews and Gentiles alike, you know? So I just decided that we, as we we're going through different venues, I'm like, nobody's ever sung a live album and no Jewish believer new messianic album has been in the old city before so I thought let's bring this into the old city uh, to the Tower of David which isn't really the Tower of David it's been called that but really what I found out after we filmed it I found out that that's the Praetorium that's where most likely most scholars are saying now that Jesus Yeshua was tried and condemned so it, really looking back you know singing some of those songs um, salvation is your name and um just singing about him is powerful, just at yeah, a yeah. historic You're place where he was. You're giving me goosebumps here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it gave
2: me go- gives me goosebumps thinking about it as well. So, yeah, that was really an honor. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm an all-in kind of guy. And right now I'm trying to push out the things that are distracting me from the all-in. It's always a constant trying to right. peel away the, the good things, but that are distract me from the greater um, call, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, just trying to stay focused and hopefully do my next uh, couple albums here soon yeah. as well.
0: What, is, uh, what has it been like? And I know that you're not there right now, but you know, we, we were scheduled to be on tour in Israel October 8th and uh, that we were going to leave on Sunday. In fact, actually, we were leaving on, on Saturday to get up there to Chicago and then take a flight and all that. But October 7th changed uh, everything. Changed the landscape yeah. of, of Israel, um, certainly Gaza, but really the rest of the world has chimed in. Um, what what's it been like? You know, we we have friend Chaim uh, mailspin who's yeah, uh, actively he's serving. Yeah, one of my best friends. Oh. One of the best guys in the world. Uh, I had a crazy night in Tiberias with him. Just it's a whirlwind every time you're with Chaim. Uh uh-huh. But just what what is that like to to see your friends, your children? Uh, go off to war. What is what is it like to even be right now? You're you're in America, and to see uh, this old hatred that that comes up again and again toward our people.
2: It's uh, it's unreal. It feels like a, a nightmare at times. Um, you know, I've, I've another. Heim's one of my closest friends in the world. You know. Um, him and I spent so many times together where it's like midnight in the Galilee and I'll call him up by Chaim, I'm stressed out. Let's go jump in the lake and he'll just come meet me. We'll go jump in the lake and just talk and pray and just have, you know, just smile. And so to see him in the military is, you know, what scares me most about Chaim is he is, he's probably the, in the whole country, he's probably the most ambitious, willing to give it all guy. And I've seen him time and time. I was in Ethiopia with Chaim. You know, for those who are, are listening, you know, it's it's Chaim is uh he, he's a uh, he's a uh, he's in the Israeli Defense Forces. He's in Gaza probably right now, um, in and out like crazy. He's a bomb detector. He go has to go in the tunnels. Um, you know, when the war first started, he called me up in a ditch. He's like, hey, keep pray for me. We like they just started a couple of days after October seventh. Pray for me. You know, bullet just went past my head. You know, um, and I'm like. Oh gosh, Chaim, you should not be telling me this. Like I, but of course, I'm praying for him right away. And you know, we we have another friend. He's like a little brother to me. His name is Hananya Naftali, and he's a um, he's an advisor, social media advisor to Netanyahu. And he disappeared for two weeks. And um, yeah, i mean, he's like a little brother to me. So I'm calling his dad when nobody nobody could tell me where he is. I'm thinking, praying. I'm praying it's not the worst. Turns out he was called to duty, but he wasn't allowed to call anybody back because it was super secret. And he's fine, but there was just so many of those moments where, you know, my daughter, you know, right after the war, um, she was getting on the bus, and I'm over here in the states, and uh, she said she was about to get on the bus, and um, this is this is about you know she had the weekend off on October seventh, so she she ha- had a day or two buffer. Um, Israel to get some because everybody was you know was fearful that it could spread everywhere you know if they got into so many different locations at at the Gaza border where else are they coming in so she's about to get on a bus and um in Tiberias um near where where, where we live and um uh you know if if you know anything about Israel like everybody has served in the army I I didn't because I didn't officially move until I was 30 and the 26 the 26 is the cutoff I'm 46 now but uh uh, but she, she gets on the bus. All the all the all the soldiers are on the bus, and a couple parents come on the bus and say, "Okay, uh, they're just inspecting the bus." Um, and one mother parent said, "Okay, who's 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 on guard here?" And the, the, the guy in the front says, "I am." She's like, "Do you have a weapon?" He's like, "No, I don't have a weapon. It's on the base." She's like, "Does anybody have a weapon?" And he's like, "No, our weapons are on the base." And the the mother said, "Okay, off the bus." Like she over overrode the, the the person that was in charge the, the the authority the military authority. You're not taking our children back to their base without being uh, having weapons. So they got off the mm-hmm. bus, came on the next day, and they got an extra day, and they had a, a guard that was you know because it was all the all the uber military people who are were combat were are were, 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 they're were just rushing to the border. So our my daughter who is border um, border security or border intelligence. Doesn't carry a weapon outside of the base, you know, so um, all, all those people were getting on a bus, and I was so grateful for the uh, the uh, you know the direct manner of Israeli born and raised parents to help mm-hmm. get my mm-hmm. daughter off the bus. But my daughter told me, she said this, she said, shes it's okay, Abba, I, I, I was gonna be okay. I prayed. She said, I had my pocket knife and some mace. <laughs> and I just she called me on the phone, and told me this, and I just cri- I bawled, I cried. As she's talking to me, I'm just crying and I'm thinking, pocket knife and maces will do nothing. You know, first of all, why are you so positive? This is awful. I didn't say any of this. I said none of this. All I did was cry. And I get off the phone. My wife's like, "You're not supposed to cry in front of Emma. You're supposed to be a support for her." And I'm like, I could not mm. hold it back mm. because you know, I you know, I was just there a couple months ago to be with her. Um, we did a, a Hanukkah special in Jerusalem. Um, on the second month anniversary of October 7th. But I was remembering in, in the spring where I would drive her to her base all the time in the week uh, after the weekend, if she was able to come home and there was one, and I'll, this will be my last story. Cause I feel like I'm talking to you. No, Sorry guys. Um, I drove my daughter to, I drive her to the base. It's like two and a half, three hours. Um, her, her old base was on the Ramallah border in Bethel, Bethel, you know, the, the Bethel from the Bible. Okay. Um, that was her base. And, um, so I drive her down, and this particular trip I'm on my way back, she calls me, and she says, Abba, uh, my commander told me to call you and let you know I'm okay. And I'm like, all right, well, why did she say that? <laughs> I'm glad you're okay. Well, there was a whole bus that of uh, soldiers that got shot, the whole bus. They all survived, but it was a, it was a bloody mess. Um, a terrorist came. We were just in that road. I mean, the, uh, the bus was one hour behind us. Um, they shot up that whole bus, on the same road that I took my daughter on, um, and it's just hit, it's just, that's when it hit me really close to home. This is before October 7th. This is this past spring. And, um, that's what really, uh, you know, the reality really hit me hard. No, she wasn't going to be on that bus, but you know, it's only, you know, by God's grace that she isn't where these things are happening. And then I guess I could I'll tell you one more story And that she just told me this last week. Um, we were just thanking God about you know, him keeping her safe, you know. She's a sergeant in, in the IDF, so she has to, you know, be there for her other soldiers. And she's has girls that she has to counsel and mentor that who've lost best friends in Gaza. Mm-hmm. Um, but she she was telling me, she's like, You know, Abba, when I filled up the form for the army, my number one choice for base was the Gaza base on the Gaza border. And I'm like, Are you serious? She's like, Yeah, it was my number one choice, but God obviously had other plans and put her on a base that wasn't even on her list of choices. Um, but God kept her away from there. You know, one, Mm -hmm. one of her, when she was in Sergeant training, um, one of her fellow soldiers was one of the few survivors in her platoon, because if she, if this girl, her, my daughter's friend, wasn't in training to be a Sergeant, she would have been killed along with her sisters in arms, um, on October 7th. So it's just, it's unbelievable. You feel guilt you know, that my daughter is fine and safe, but you, I'm think you know, cause you wanted them all to be safe. Right. But at the same time, you just, you constantly thank God that, um, that he's answered prayers and he's, he's, um, Let's he's kept her. them, yeah. you know, why me? Mm-hmm. God, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for blessing me, mm-hmm. keeping my daughter safe. Um, but, uh, I'll, I'll, I won't stop praying. And, uh, you know, we're just thankful for all those who've been praying
0: for Israel as well. Well, that's why we have to trust, right? He who keeps Israel neither slumbers and sleeps and (laughs) and God somehow loves our kids more than that. Um, Even here in slow Lexington, uh, we've seen some pushback and some protesters, um, even across the the way from our our home, uh, there was somebody standing over the last couple of days, holding up a sign that says one Holocaust doesn't deserve another one. And mm. the, the, the narrative that's out well, there right now is that the IDF and Israel are genocidal maniacs going into Gaza and just crushing, you know, <sighs> women and children just haphazardly. Um, as a father of, of a soldier, um, as, as an Israeli, um, and, and we know enough people uh, who are in the military to know that this is not who they are just as, as people, as humans. Yeah. Um, but how, how do you combat that message that's going out
2: you know a lot of this this hate is rooted so deep there's really there's not much you can do you know it's like trying to convince an atheist uh there's a god by making them read the bible you know it has to be something first where they have an open heart and that's the problem i think there's so many people with closed hearts and closed minds not willing to see um it from the picture of a people who have been murdered more than almost any other people group in the world throughout history you know it, it, there's a closed mind you know mindset that you just can't break through unless they uh, they open their hearts and minds so there is there isn't much breaking through you know i found myself just loving those people um you know we have a lot of arab christian friends who love israel you know staying close to them and letting people know that you know israel is full of arabs uh that love that love israel they're proud arab israelis you know um and just helping them see that picture of the reality of israel where there is you know i don't know i think it's a million or 2 million arab israelis probably even more i, I don't know that i'm just throwing that number out i know it's, it's 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 a large number 20% so that's about right something like that maybe more to 2 over 2 million than maybe so it's unbelievable to uh um if you could see that, it, it it's unbelievable in the, in the literal sense where they don't believe it, you know, where we have, you know, worship sessions and prayer meetings in the Galilee where Jews and Arabs, we don't think about that there's, we're Jews and Arabs, we're just Israel, we're Israelis, we live in Israel, and we love the Lord. So in the Christian community, that's where it's, it's the picture is so beautiful, because because Yeshua's at the center. In the Christian Arab community, and the Jewish believer community, um, you don't feel that at all. It's, it, it's, it's amazing. Um, how much unity there is when we're brought together and just live together, instead of trying to focus on our differences. Our in in a believing community, it's the commonality is Yeshua, and uh, that that heals everything.
0: You've you you have several albums. You have a lot of songs. Um, I know that there's sometimes where I'll put something out there into the universe, whether it's a teaching or a study or a message. And you feel the delight of God. Has there ever been what? What are what? What is one of those songs for you that um, you finished writing? You you sang it. You were in a certain place, like where you just oh wow. You knew okay. like hey, God. You, th- this is why you put me here, right? Like two most important yeah. days in your life are when you you know you realize uh, that that God has put you here and what you're supposed to do with that. But what is there a song that you've been a part for of sure. that, that just sure. speaks to you?
2: Um there's a song I wrote called You Are Holy and
0: mm-hmm.
2: might not be the best it's 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 not the world's best composition but I, I love it. Uh I I I was in the Philippines and um it was early in my career maybe it was 2011 uh I say early in my career I started 2009 like going all in on music and my first album in 2009 2011 I was invited to the Philippines and I did an outreach to share the gospel in General Santos city in the the South. And I've been there a few times since. And, um, and, um, I was in a squatter's village, sleeping on a dirt floor. And then the next day we flew into Manila and they gave me this place to stay at this old, this, this apartment that was closed for like a half a year. It was very dingy, but it was a bed. And I was excited to not sleep on a dirt floor. And, uh, I got in there. I was just so tired, you know, flying thousands of miles away from home and, um, and I I, um, I lay down to, to to sleep and immediately I feel these little things crawling on me. there was bugs in the bed and I remember just I got out of the bed it was just this weird a weird part of that's the weird part of the story. Well I got out of the bed really quick and I just started brushing you know brushing these whatever this was I was feeling off of me and took a shower and then just sat in the wooden chair decided I'm not sleeping. there's no way I'm sleeping on that bed. I don't want to sleep on a wooden floor. So I brushed off a wooden chair in the corner, and I remember being angry that it happened. And just for a brief moment, like, God, I'm across this world. I just shared the gospel. 800 people came up for salvation. You know, I I was with this dynamic pastor who came up afterwards. So I'm not this great evangelist preacher. I I shared through song. uh, And it was was special. It was a beautiful, um, you know, harvest, you know. But I, I was just that next day, I just thought I wanted to sleep. And I was just angry. And the moment, like almost as quickly as I was angry at God, I felt this conviction. Like, you know, I, I don't want to say God put any, I didn't hear anything. I, I might say it. Some people might say they heard something, but I'm very sensitive to not say God said anything else I know for sure. But it was like, who, who do you think you were talking to? I felt like this in my heart. And um, instantly I felt like this weight, this beautiful heaviness, like God is here. You know, I know he's everywhere, but I've, I've never felt that before in my life. And I just grabbed my guitar, and I was thinking about my wife and kids and realizing, God, I'm here. You're here. You called me here. Please protect my family. May I follow you everywhere. I don't care if there's bugs. I don't care if people are shooting at me. If you want me to be there, I'm going to be there. And I just started singing this chorus, You Are Holy. There was no one else like you. I sang Hebrew and English back and forth and then I open up, I was crying the whole time. I'm, I'm not a crier. I don't cry for much until October 7th. I don't cry for much. Um, um, and, and I remember crying that whole night and then reading Joshua 24, 15, choose this day whom you will serve, you know, but as for me and my house. And I was thinking as I, as I was reading that verse, like, yes, yes, Lord, me and my house, we're going to serve you. I don't care where. And that's when I wrote that song that night in, in just a bucket full of tears and a, a time with God that I've never had really like that since. So I, I wasn't even going to record it. I just thought, this is a this is a song between me and you, Lord. Um, but when I came home, I I made my wife. My wife's so shy and sweet. She didn't think she could sing it good enough. I'm like, no, no, we have to sing this together as a family. So mm. I convinced her to sing it, and um, we we released it. And I'm uh, so glad we did, because now it's, a, it's one of those songs that even when I sing it live, every once in a while, I'll feel like I'm there a decade earlier in the Philippines somewhere when I wrote it.
1: Yeah. That that song
0: won a music award too.
2: Yeah. An independent songwriter award. Yeah, I yeah. guess it did yeah. it? way back.
0: Yeah. Uh, the other song that I mentioned in the very beginning uh, is Aaron Shu's song. It's a Zion. And uh, there's yeah. always that moment for us uh, in the bus and we make the ascent up to, up to Jerusalem and we're reading the, the Psalms of ascent. And we used to play, you know, Paul Wilbur and, you know, Jerusalem, or I, all these things, but I've, I've yeah. uh, sorry, Paul, but um, now we play we play that song, Zion. Um, it, it's so great. filled with scripture. It's filled with prophecy. Oh, yeah. um, what, what has that song done and what has it meant to the masses that, that have heard it?
2: You know, it's meant a lot to the masses. It's funny because, you know, when I travel and sing, there's always a few... Songs I have to sing, or else I'll get yelled at by it, if, if there's any fans of mine in the audience. Um, but when I sing Zion, they're all just like they all know all the words, they're singing as loud as they can. So it's been a banner song uh, of biblical precedence, you know. You know, now in modern Christian, that's why I love Aaron, he's my best friend. So we work together. I can, I, I'm not just biased, but he is, if you listen to Christian music today, it's it's needed, you know. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of songs about God chasing after me or about, you know, I feel alone and and people need those songs, but that's pretty much the majority of Christian, you know, CCM. It's all about, you know, having that hope. Yes. But, but it's more of a personal, you know, American type of a mind struggle, you know, but Aaron is, he, he wrote this old school, biblical, biblically precedented mm. song that isn't written today. People don't write. I, I, I could think, you know, one of Aaron's good buddies is Michael Card. Um, mm. I, it, I told him it's like an El Shaddai. You know, yeah. when I heard El Shaddai, I listened to it a couple of years ago for the first time after a while, and I just wept when I heard Michael Card's version because I know he wrote it. And you hear when you hear it from the songwriter, you know, um, you know, though your people could not see what Messiah ought to be, I'm like, whoa! Like he's singing from the literal interpretation of the Bible, not trying to apply the, 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 the Israel onto the church or. And that's what Aaron did. Aaron just took the Bible. And Aaron always says, when I he said, I read the Bible for the first time after many years, and I realized that when God said Israel, he meant Israel. <laughs> you know? And then when he when he was writing that song, it, his wife even said, Sarah, she's like, There's no way you wrote this by yourself, Aaron. He's like, Yeah, I don't know, but it's just, you know, it's just the Bible. It all just came together and yeah, I've seen it impact so many people. And one story of impact was singing it at my congregation. Him and I sang it. Of course, he led it in, um, in Haifa. And uh, one of my friends, her, her husband's the pastor, Avi Shalom. Um, and she, she had moved to Israel You know, 30 years prior when she was a, a teenager, like maybe 19. And she knew God called her to Israel. But she said, when I heard that song, I never heard it explained better in my life in mm-hmm. a song. On God bringing us back uh, and why. Uh, um, and as a da- and she was a daughter of Zion, you know, and it was just, it was, it was, a, it was, that was my favorite testimony I've heard from Aaron's song, Zion.
1: Yeah. It, it just mixed music and culture and history all together.
2: Yeah. 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 It was, it's Bible.
1: It's yeah. Bible.
0: Well, Joshua, uh, congratulations on being one of the newest messianic artists that my dad, the old man, actually loves. Yeah. Oh. Um, I mean, <laughs> thank <when> I, you. <laughs> I mentioned Paul Wilbur, but we we go back like Marty Getz is a good family friend yeah. of ours. Um yeah.
2: good friend too. We yeah. have the
0: Chernoffs and, you know, all, all yep. of those people going back, but so I thought you well, know, my, yep. my dad was locked into, you know, the the trifecta yeah. of messianic worship. The staple. The staple, yep. right? Like this is who I grew up yep. with and um, but then all of a sudden he came, he's, he saw and heard your songs and was just like, uh, I like this guy. I'm all, what? And he's not like 70 years old. This yeah. is fantastic. <laughs> <It's so
2: laughs> well, good. listen, Ron, listen, I am with you. Like my two favorite singers of all time are are Joel Chernoff. My two favorite Jewish, they happen to be Jewish, Joel Chernoff and Keith Green.
1: Yeah,
2: um, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, you know, I'm the youngest of five kids. So my older siblings listen to the older stuff. So I got pulled in. And Melody Green is one of my close friends now, and uh-huh. I love talking about the old stuff. So I, I was a songwriter with Integrity Music for, for for four years, and we do songwriter retreats. and And listen, I've seen, I've heard God use Christian music to bless so many people, but I found myself in the woods listening to walk, taking strolls it was like a, a writer's retreat, listening to Shlomo Carlebach, like yeah. some old Jewish stuff, and Joel Chernoff and Keith Green, because I didn't want to lose sight on my roots and what I'm called to sing about. Um, and I think that that's something you know we, we don't need we're not trying to be the Jewish Bethel. I don't think we yeah, need to do that no. uh, um, or the Jewish Chris Tommen, although a lot of my friends call me that. <laughs> 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 I have a friend in, in Nashville calling me Jew Tom uh, <laughs> instead of Chrislin Jew. Um, but I, I, I think there's something music full, comes full circle. you, you watch it in, in before our eyes. 80s music is cool now. You know, right. and that's forty some years ago. Um, so, um, music. So I, I love. Accordion stuff. I love old stuff. It's gonna come full circle. I think the accordion is the most lost instrument. Oh no, stop!
0: Perfect. Yeah, he plays the accordion. He plays the accordion. No. Send me
2: some videos of him playing. I'm in the market for an accordion player. Well, hey, Um, let's
0: let's talk about that because you are because he likes you, and I've I've loved you for a long time. (laughs) But we, we said like, let's have Joshua come out. Would Joshua come out to Lexington and you said yes, you're coming to Lexington next yeah. month, March 22nd, it's a Friday night and it's at Can't Emmanuel wait. Baptist Church at the Tate's Creek campus. And um, man, if you gotta be careful. I'm just gonna warn you right now because this might be a blessing and a curse. Um, he'll he'll come up and play accordion with you if you want, if you're still looking for an accordion. <laughs> That'd be awesome. We, we just did some klezmer, some Jewish music uh, for Hanukkah. I play clarinet. Really? Yeah, and send
2: me some videos. I have to screen this first, yeah, Ron. I'm So sorry, what.
0: Yeah. yeah, could ruin your <laughs> reputation. Awesome. Yeah, I, I don't think we need to send you the video. Yeah. I can help screen for you. <laughs> but hey, well,
2: yeah, March twenty second, yeah, Uh Friday night. We're gonna do Shabbat. Right, let's do it. There you yes. go.
0: Let's, let's do that. it. I can't wait. And so you're you're bringing you're bringing the crew. Uh Aaron's gonna be there. Yaron. Tell, tell oh my us gosh! What, what are we going to get when when somebody comes? What are they? That's gonna... my
2: trifecta.
0: Yes. Uh, if I
2: can have Aaron and Yolon, it's it's magical. Um, so Yaron is uh, you know born and raised Israeli, got radically saved as a young adult on the beaches of Tel Aviv, um, and he loves the Lord. He is a Middle Eastern um, professional instrumentalist and uh, what's the word? Um, musicologist. Mm-hmm. Um, currently studying for his doctorate. But he plays yeah. all these Middle Eastern instruments, the oud, the saz, uh, the the lira, the lyre or lira, as we say. Um, he plays ancient Western instruments like the uh, hurdy gurdy yeah. from you know from <laughs> England and Ireland. Um, so you'll you'll hear a lot of that stuff. You know you'll hear us go back in time a little bit. Um, old meets new, uh, and Aaron is is he's the, the the dear big brother of Christian music. You know the guy who's saying, my hope is in you, my savior, my God, Mm -hmm. but who loves Israel. He's one of the few Very, I can talk about one hand that really stood for Israel throughout since October 17. You um, you watch the devil wars. You don't see a lot of people talking about Israel, but Aaron Schust is all in to the detriment of his career. He doesn't care. He wants to, he wants to be, to, to love God and love the God of Israel and, and love Israel. Um, with with reckless abandon you know um and that's what i love about him you're gonna it's gonna be a great night and we're all like brothers you know i call us the john crew you know joshua aaron aaron and yellow yeah. um we just did a, a concert tour in the netherlands a month or two ago and that was awesome so we're looking forward to having time uh, with you guys in
0: lexington kentucky huh yeah. march second you said uh march 22nd friday march, march 22nd. 22nd march 22nd yeah, yeah. awesome we can't we'll, wait. We'll send you a text message, make sure that you get all the details okay. right, that you'll show up at the right okay. time and place.
2: <laughs> no, it's on my calendar. No, it's it, on my it's calendar. All it's all good. It's, it's done. I'll be there. I promise.
0: Yeah. Hey, Joshua, thanks for, for jumping on with us and sharing your story. Um, it's not just about the music. We we love you as as a brother, uh, as an Israeli, and uh, for your family. We're praying uh, for, for all of them, for your daughter, and for the peace Thank of you. Yerushalayim. Um, would you close this out? Would you just give us the ironic benediction and just uh, yes. close this episode out for us?
2: Yes. Thank you, God, so much for all these uh, listeners. Well, I thank you for everybody uh, who's listening right now. I think you've uh, called them um, not to just live, um, not to just live life for themselves, but to live life for you, God. To seek, may they seek your, first your kingdom and your righteousness and the other things that they, they want will come second, will be added. Uh, God, I just pray that you uh, just reinstill a calling on everyone who's listening today or, and raise them up, especially in these last days, as we await the great and soon coming return of our Mashiach, our, our Messiah, Yeshua. And God, I pray that you bless them along the way, that may they ne- never leave this earth by any disaster or any sickness, but live a long and healthy life. And I pray this prayer as you taught us, Father, in Numbers chapter 6. And I believe your your son, our Savior, prayed this as he ascended into heaven. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you may he lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom. In the name of the Prince of Peace, Yeshua. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Shalom. Thanks Joshua. Yeah. Thanks, present. Thank you. Beautiful.